Charles Spurgeon is known as the Prince of Preachers. There's a reason for that. He was an incredible preacher with grand descriptions and a vast vocabulary, an incredible heart for Christ. He preached to hundreds of thousands through his career in England in the 1800s. Um, His sermons are still read by millions around the world today. He is one of the most revered preachers of all time. However, before he was a famed minister of the gospel, he was a hard-hearted little young man. And though his father and his grandfather were preachers, and though he was taught the truth of the gospel from an early age, like many of the children in our church, he bucked against that truth inwardly, and he knew it. It really ended up being the heartfelt prayers of his mother, Eliza, who etched into his conscience the need for him truly to repent and place faith in Christ and get saved. In his book called Devoted, Great Men and Their Godly Moms, Tim Challies writes this. In these prayers, she pleaded with God to extend his saving mercy to her children. Charles remembered that on one occasion she prayed in this way. Now, Lord, if my children go on in their sins, it will not be from ignorance that they perish. And my soul must bear a swift witness against them at that day of judgment if they lay not hold of Christ. Well, the thought of his own mother bearing witness against him pierced his soul and stirred his heart. Her intercession made such a deep impression on her young son that many years later he would write, How can I ever forget her tearful eye when she warned me to escape from the wrath to come? Another time, she wrapped her arms around his neck and simply cried to God, Oh, that my son might live before thee. The deepest desires of her heart was to see her children embrace her Savior, end quote. He goes on to quote Spurgeon's words in one of his early sermons, giving tribute to his mother. He said this, There was a boy once, a very sinful child, who hearkened not to the counsel of his parents. But his mother prayed for him, and now he stands to preach to this congregation every Sabbath. And when his mother thinks of her firstborn preaching the gospel, she reaps a glorious harvest that makes her a glad woman. Beloved, the effective and fervent prayer of a godly mother accomplishes much. Believe it, for I too am a product of my mother's prayers for my salvation. And no, if it were not for her intercessions, Um, I would not be standing before you, a minister of the gospel today. I know that not all of you had believing or godly or wise mothers. Some of you may have had terrible mothers. They've hurt you. They abandoned you. Some of you may not even know who your biological mother is. As imperfect as they were, the Bible commands us, commands all of us, without exception, to honor our mothers. It doesn't say honor the best mothers or only the top 10%. It says honor your own mother. Well, we're in a culture that seems to honor being young more than anything else 
being young, being healthy, getting out there, doing what you want to do, looking good. Honoring the aged is no longer a priority. America has almost a worship of health and of wealth and almost, you could call it, a cult of youth. But alas, age is not simply a state of mind, as the slogan goes. It is a reality that will catch up with every last one of us sooner or later. And God says the aged deserve respect. Our mothers, who obviously are older than us, deserve our honor. Long ago, God commanded in the centerpiece of his own law, that is the Ten Commandments, along with other important commandments like you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, those kinds of important commandments. He put right in there, along with them, we are to honor both our father and our mother in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12. Honoring parents in most ancient civilizations was common sense. It was built into the fabric of society. The logic of that kind of honoring was obvious and apparent to people. Just from a mother's effort and her sacrifice alone, we can see that she deserves our respect. Thus it says in the Ten Commandments, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, which we'll talk about today, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. That commandment was repeated to the next generation of Israelites as they were ready to enter the promised land under Joshua. In Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 16, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be prolonged and that it may go well with you on the land which the Lord your God gives you. That same commandment is repeated in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 1 and following. Why this command? Well, because life comes to each of us through our parents, and life is valued, and life is sacred, and life is a gift from God to all of us, and therefore the givers of life are to be honored, and they are to be treated with great reverence. But how? How should we honor our mothers? Well, there are many ways. If you go browsing on the internet, you can find many creative ideas that you can do for your mother on Mother's Day, and some of the ideas are, are pretty nifty. And yet honoring our moms goes much deeper than just, oh, it's Mother's Day, I'm going to get my mom some flowers or a card or do something nice for her or wash the dishes. Really, our honoring of our mother is something we're to be thinking about uh, all year round, it's part of the moral fabric we are to embrace as believers in God. As we understand the way God set up the universe and life on this planet, life in the human race, and we see the prominent role of mothers, it's supposed to be logical and natural that we move to honor them. Honoring a mother, in other words, is, is fundamental. Just consider the Hebrew term honor itself that's used in Exodus chapter 20, in verse 12, haved. In a culture where value was often measured in things that were weighty, heavy things, like when gold was going to be weighed or silver, or even when they were weighing things like grain amounts, 
They were measured on scales for their weight. And the heavier the weight, the more the value had, the more significance a thing had. This word haved means weighty in the good sense. It means heavy of impact, of significance, not light, not insignificant, not flighty, not airy, that kind of thing. Sometimes, in fact, uh, the context requires it to be translated heavy or even if there's like a heavy rainfall, an intense rainfall. Uh, We are to treat our mothers as if they are very significant, in other words. Honor, in fact, is a term that's related to the Lord our God at various times. In Malachi chapter 1 and verse 6, God rebukes the lack of honor that he was receiving at that time from the priests. He says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If if I then am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. You may remember the very scary story in Leviticus chapter 10 and verse 3 when Aaron's sons decided that their role in leading the worship of God was really not all that important and they would go ahead and burn a certain kind of an incense that God had not prescribed. In other words, they were going to do worship their own way, kind of like Cain way back before them, just worship God any way they want to. God decided to speak to those two gentlemen by having fire come forth and burn them to a crisp and they died. And Moses said to Aaron, it's what the Lord spoke saying, by those who come near me, I will be treated as holy. And before all the people, I will be honored. Obviously, honoring then is something significant. It's something weighty. How do you honor your mother? Does it have weight and significance or is it something you just quickly try to get out of the way so you can say that you did it? Jesus said that he came into the world in John 8, 49 with the purpose of honoring his father. He was talking about all of his life and his miracles, his teachings, the way he lived to be honoring to his father. Well, this commandment to honor our mothers and fathers is also important because parents are a child's introduction to all types of authority that they will face in life. Parents help to form a child's attitude towards the rule of law. Have you ever noticed young kids don't like the rule of law? They want life to be the way they want it to be. They, they throw off rules and they're going to go do what they want to do. That's very dangerous for their own souls, very dangerous. And so honoring parents is where they begin to understand, you know what, you're not wise, don't be wise in your own eyes. You need to learn to follow someone else's authority. Additionally, obedience to one's father and mother teaches children to have a reverence for God and a respect for his authority. If people learn to disrespect authority at an early age, the chances are when they hear God and his word and his authority, they may have trouble respecting that as well. So yes, our mothers do deserve our respect and our honor. Let's take some time today to learn how to do that. How do we honor our mothers? Well, there's three ways, and they're embedded in this term itself, chaved, to to treat our mother with weight. Three ways that I think come out. They're all similar to one another, um, but we spread them out a little bit to try to understand the different facets of honoring our parents, honoring our mother. First, as you think of honoring her, you need to prize her. First, You honor your mother by prizing your mother. Of all the people in the world, you have only one mother. 
Uh, she's one of a kind. So value her, prize her, make sure she knows that there is nobody in the world that stands in her place. Many of your belongings in life will come and go. You may treasure them for a while, but in a little while, they won't be all that important to you. They'll be, they'll be run down. Friends tend to change over time. Colleagues will suddenly disappear and move on to another job. Your neighbors will move. Your mom remains the same throughout life. You came into this world through just one person. Your life came from her life. To despise or lightly esteem her would be to diminish your own life, would be to diminish the one that God had you gain life through. So prize her. And when you prize her, you're prizing other aspects or facets of her. Prize her teaching, for example. She's given to you as someone who's wiser than you, someone to teach you. So prize her teachings. You know, the description of the excellent wife and the excellent mother of the home mentions this impact of the words of a godly mom on her children. In Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 26, it says, she opens her mouth in wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. When you listen to her, you're going to gain wisdom and you're going to learn kindness. And both of those are going to take you a long way in life. I mean, think about how many fools there are in life and how many unkind people there are in life. Go on to the fact that she'll also teach you to speak the truth. Think about how many liars there are in life. And already you have a great foundation, a great basis for life. A mother is to be prized because she is a teacher of life. Her words can literally bring life to her own children. Spiritual life, I'm speaking of. Proverbs 1.8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. The teaching's important. That wise counsel that comes out of her mouth was designed to help children, not just the youngest children, not just elementary age children, but also the teenagers and on into grown adults as well. They can learn so much from their mother and indeed are supposed to. She is a teacher of life. In fact, in Proverbs 3.22, it says, uh, the wise counsel of a mother is life to your soul and adornment to your neck. A mother's teaching guides you. Mother's teaching guards you. Mother's teaching guarantees success for you if you follow it. Now I know some mothers excel at teaching and other mothers really were not that great at teaching. The ones that excel at teaching, they tend to take full advantage of every single opportunity they have to open up the world to their children, to show them spiritual lessons, to connect something they're learning in the Bible to life, to show them the wrong way they're going, to make a U-turn, come back, that's not the right way to go. They're, they're patient in the way that they speak to their children. They're kind in the way they come across so that the words are more acceptable. And they make great teachers. If you add a mother like that, treasure her teachings from the constant reminders of things she must have said to you hundreds of times, to those quiet moments where she tried to reassure your despondent soul, to the guidance that she gave you at critical junctures. You were trying to figure out what to do, and, and there she was, and she said, well, son, my advice to you is... And then there were the strong words she spoke to you to warn you, and they were surprising. Why, why is mom making such a big deal out of that? 
Well, think about it. She's lived life more than you. She's seen more of how evil works in the world. And she sees something dangerous, a caution, a red flag. And that's valuable also. And if you think you know more than her, maybe when it comes to geometry, you do. But that doesn't mean you know more than her about life. You should listen. She's more experienced. Now, we have to admit, some mothers were not good teachers. Maybe there was another woman who was like a mother to you. Maybe in the way that your mother failed you and you needed some help, God provided another believing or godly woman who was like a mother to you where your mother failed. Maybe it was a grandmother. Maybe it was a relative like an aunt or a spiritual friend of the family who's like a spiritual mom to you. Honoring your spiritual mothers would be appropriate also. Why? For the teaching, for the guidance, for the gospel they gave you, which is all about life. Mothers, whether they're natural, whether they're mothers through adoption or spiritual mothers, they carry a great amount of influence, much more than they often think. I think mothers talk and talk and talk and they think they're not being heard and they see their children rolling their eyes and like, yeah, they're never going to listen to me. And yet you even saw from that little video, they're picking up on things. I remember my mother, even when she was 80 years old, would still be cautioning me about things as if she was worried I wasn't going to listen to her. And uh, I mean, this is after 45 years of life, um, 50 years of life. And uh, I remember saying to her at one time, Mom, you have absolutely no idea how deeply your voice goes into my conscience. (laughs) I mean, I can hardly do anything in life without something that you said being laid there in front of me. So yes, your words do impact you. And there were times where my mom yelled too much and I didn't want to listen to her. And there are going to be times where your mother doesn't say it in the right way. And yet, you know, those words are helpful to you. I say again, as much as you think the children are not listening to you, your words are life for them. Your words mold and shape the way they even view uh, their friendships, the way they view what they're supposed to do with work, what they're supposed to do in church. When they're at play, your voice is in their head and in their mind. Ladies, take to heart Proverbs 18 and verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Indeed, your children are listening. Well, children who prize the teaching of their mothers will honor them. And some of that teaching starts with reading great books to your little ones. If you're sitting down and trying to get them to listen to good teaching, start with some books. And if they're having trouble sitting still, work with them and help them learn to listen a little longer, one extra page, till they get more and more self-control and can listen to the good teaching that comes through reading books. Saturate their minds with good things, not worldly wisdom. Make sure that the moral lessons that they're learning are truly biblical. You know, a child's sin nature is going to buck against wisdom and knowledge like a wild horse, but with love, with determination, with consistency, you can bring them to a place where they listen and bring, that into the, bring them into that realm of blessing. Notice that children, when they grow up and they get into high school, and then particularly when they go into college, they get a little bit of knowledge, and they think they know so much more about life than they actually do. And they come home and they have a different perspective than that of the parents. College professors are often to blame for this. 
They think that they know so much more about life, and yet they pass on worldly wisdom, wisdom that doesn't work in real life. It's for books and for paper. It doesn't work in the world that God made. Usually, a mother's teaching is far more valuable and to be prized more. It's better. It ties into real life. A mother teaches uh, a, a son and a daughter how to work hard, how to earn money, how to save, how to put it away, how to invest it, how to plan for the future along with dad. The teaching of mom and dad help to understand how to handle the sexual life of a child and how to control it, how to save it for a family, for marriage, where it's directed to be. You know, if you are paying a lot of money for a college education, I want you to consider that what your mother taught you is even more valuable. And you learned that around the kitchen table and didn't pay a penny for it. We prize our moms and should prize our moms. They're teaching. And another, another thing we should prize about them is just their example who they are day by day. You have an image in front of you that you've grown up with, and that has, it's not a perfect image, but it's taught you a lot of things. I wonder, young gals, when you grow up, have you ever thought, I want to be more like my mother? So many in the world say, these are the things that, that um, you should achieve as a young woman. How about achieving this? How about growing up and having the kind of integrity and character that your mother has? Because I know the women of this church for the most part. And I can tell you, if you grow up and you become like them, you will be a success, a true success. Moms pass on godly living. And what's learned in church, they make it even clearer when they talk to them at home. Moms pass on the words of eternal life. Moms that God will greatly honor are those that greatly honor God and live for his kingdom. Imitation they say is the greatest flattery, the greatest honor. And girls, there is no shame in wanting to grow up to be just like your mom. I pray indeed that it happens. So prize your mother. That's one way to honor her. Prize her, yes. And secondly, care for your mother. How else do we also honor our mothers? And the answer is we have to care for our mother. Honoring your mother has tangible application not the least of which is financially caring for her when you grow older and she grows elderly. Meeting her physical needs when she's beyond the ability to work or care for herself. The care of mothers is one of those areas that when we think about honoring our parents, honoring our mother, it gets neglected. People want to quickly rush past that. They want to talk about how they honored their mother with the words that they said. But when it comes to putting money behind the words, finances to actually care for elderly parents, that's a topic even in the church, even among evangelicals that sometimes people want to rush quickly by. They may say, you know, we prayed about it, but there's no actual money that's being used where it's needed to care for their mother. In other words, they don't take adequate action to meet needs. They might even hide behind their anger they have at their parents' past failures as to why they're not opening up the pocketbook now. But care for parents is wrapped up in this command to honor them. We know this because Jesus, in Matthew chapter 15, in verses 1 through 9, rebuked the religious leaders of his day for coming up with traditions 
which gave the grown children an excuse not to care for their parents financially because they dedicated the money, as they said, to God. And it had this appearance of piety, but it actually was a tradition that led them to disregard and disobey the commandment of God to honor their parents. In fact, Jesus told them in Matthew 15, verse 6, you invalidate the word of God for the sake of your tradition. And that was not a compliment. That was a rebuke. The Adam Clark commentary captures the problem. Quote, we can scarcely suppose that a man honors his parents who when they fall weak, blind, or sick, does not exert himself to the utmost in their support. In such cases, God has truly required the children to provide for their parents as he required the parents to feed, nurse, support, instruct, and defend the children when they were in the lowest state of helpless infancy. You got that? When we were helpless and we couldn't provide for our own, who provided? Answer, mom and dad. And now that they're older and they can't provide for themselves, what has God commanded? That we provide for them. And God is very serious about caring for aged parents. It's an indispensable way of honoring them. In Proverbs 28 and verse 24, it says, whoever robs his father or his mother and says that is no transgression is a companion to a man who destroys. Dr. Wayne Grudem in his massive book, Christian Ethics, we used it in our ethics class a year or so ago, writes this about the fifth commandment. Sometimes such care will involve financial support. Sometimes it will also involve taking an aging parent or parents into one's home or helping to make wise provisions for part-time professional care or helping them move to an assisted living center. Different solutions will be appropriate for different families in different circumstances, but those instructions make it clear that children have a significant amount of responsibility for somehow caring for your parents. Certainly, regular visits correspondence, and telephone conversations are also an important part of responsibility toward older parents. And then in terms of wisely managing their assets, if that becomes the role of adult children, he adds this, children must respect the independence and property rights of their parents while the parents are still living. You know, the elderly are easy targets for scams and grown children need to be a shield for them. I would say that the spirit of loving care for mom can start much earlier than when she is elderly. It could start in the hearts of teenagers and even younger. Before parents are old, younger men and women can take responsibility for their end of things. Work hard on your own grades. Work hard in your job so you develop habits so that when you get into the adult world, you indeed will be able to take care of yourself, store some away, and be prepared for those latter years. Borrowing from parents is, of course, natural and it's expected when you're younger This is part of a parent's desire to give provisions to help a child get started in life the best that they're able to do to help each child. But relying on parents' finances to bail you out again and again from one bad financial decision after another is not being responsible. It's not being helpful. It is being selfish. Also, taking money to go off and fulfill your bucket list of the things that you want to accomplish around the world while 
they have lived longer than you and worked longer than you and remain stuck at home paying for your bills, well, that's not honoring them either. The spirit of grateful sacrifice towards parents should start early. It should start early first by lowering your expectation about what you're going to be able to do when you're younger. Get busy with working hard, earning a living, carrying your load. And then there are other ways, even, even when you're younger, that you can begin to show care for your mother. Small things. Things like if she's petrified of insects or a mouse around the house, take care of that for your mother around the house. Or she's gone grocery shopping, and before she has to call three times for you to come, be watching out for her to come and grab the bags for her and help her with the load. There are many ways that you can show care for her. When dad is off on a business trip, do you check in on her, make sure, how, see how she's doing? Some of you need to realize that lazy and selfish habits at an earlier age are setting you up for a lifetime of you expecting others to care for you and that others will be your parents. So I advise get off of the couch and get busy working, get downstairs, start doing some chores, help your mom, and not just today, but next week as well. I don't usually talk about my children in public, A, because they don't like for me to do that, and then B, because it often sounds when I hear other parents do that, that they're giving themselves backwards compliments. But I do see in all of our children now an eagerness to help their mother, Susan, as she has been my caretaker and carrying a load with me that involves her doing things for me multiple times every single day. And they've been conscientious about that and supportive of her. And our eldest, Hannah, has even moved in with us for a period of time to help uh, care for the caregiver. And those are the kinds of things that make parents glad. And we know that is a tribute to the grace of God at work in each of their lives. And we give God honor and credit for that. But the scripture is true that a father and a mother are glad and have great happiness when they see their children rise up and care for them when they are in need. Well, the third way to honor your mother is to reverence your mother, to reverence her. Not only to care for her, not only to prize her, but to reverence her. You know, the need for proper respect and reverence is really embedded in that command, honor. If you do not treat your mother with respect, you cannot possibly honor your mother. There are many verses that spell out this command to honor in greater detail, such as Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 3 that says, Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. That word revere in Hebrew is yare, uh, meaning literally sometimes to fear, to reverence. In Deuteronomy 27 and 16, it said, Cursed be anyone who dishonors his father or his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. A curse be on those who uh, dishonor mothers. Um, I'm sorry, Exodus 21 Verse 15, he who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. You know, to, to injure them like that was not tolerable in God's law. Proverbs 20 and verse 20, if one curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in utter darkness. We know that Solomon properly honored his mother Bathsheba, it says in 1 Kings chapter 2 and verse 19, by letting her sit at his right hand when he was king, a place of honor. Honoring 
and revering starts with how you speak to your mother and how you speak about your mother to other people. You should be evaluating your speech towards your mother. If you are cutting her off and interrupting her or acting as if her words are foolish or contradicting her to her face, that can't possibly be reverence. That's the furthest thing away from honoring them. Instead, we should be giving thanks, even when you disagree. Thank your mother that she cares enough to be looking out for you, to want to teach you. Don't be proud. Receive teaching. Maybe she's right. Maybe she's more right than you realize. When you're with your friends, when you're texting to your friends, do you dishonor your mother or do you speak well of her even when she makes mistakes? Another thing I've seen and heard, and it's a terrible thing, when someone rises up to praise somebody else's mother in the presence of their own mother, as if to say, you know, this other mother did a better job. How dishonoring is that? It hurts more than a slap to the face. You know, along with revering mothers, children who are still living at home are under command from God to obey their mothers. That's part of reverence. Obedience means doing what your parents tell you to do, doing it completely, doing it happily, and doing it immediately. You cannot honor your mother while you are disregarding the words she tells you to do. Adam Clark in his commentary writes, for a considerable time, parents stand, as it were, in the place of God to their children, and therefore rebellion against their lawful commands has been considered as rebellion against God. That's why it was treated so harshly. Non-adult children, non-adult children must obey mom. Colossians 3.20, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1 clearly refers to non-adult children from the context. You can see that. Wayne Grudem picks up on that in the same book, and he writes this. Sometimes adult Christians read Ephesians 6, 1 and think it tells them to obey their parents even when they are grown and have their own household. But the context shows that Paul is addressing different groups of people in the church of Ephesus. Not one of these sections addresses everybody in the church. Paul does not say, all of you obey your parents, but rather children obey your parents. The category of children is different from the category of all the people in the church. And Paul does not say, all of you obey your parents for your entire lives, nor does he even imply that, end quote. There is a teaching out there that is misleading people in the thinking that this area of obedience endures into adulthood. It does not. God does not want you acting as a child when you're grown. You're to be mature, and you're still to revere your mother. You're still to treat her with honor and treat the words that come from her from honor, treat her name with honor, but now you're responsible for your own decisions. And parents, of course, if they're wise, are learning to let go through the years so that as they come to maturity, as they become adults, now they're responsible for their own decisions. If you are a teenager living at home, I've got news for you. You are still under the category of needing to obey your mother. And so you must obey your mom's teaching. The only time you would not obey a mother is if she tells you to directly disobey something God has told you to do in the Bible. Now, just a word to you mothers of younger children. If you want your children to grow up and honor you the way I've outlined here in these three ways, then you have to treat 
your own words that come out of your mouth as important. If you give a command and your command is not followed with a good heart and you have to say the command three times or wait for them to comply or start counting for them to be obedient or yell out the consequences, you are literally training your child to disregard your voice. You're telling your child that your voice has no weight. Listen, if you don't regard your own words as weighty, how will they ever learn to do that? There are far too many young parents who want their children to like them (laughs) and enjoy being around them. But your child is not your friend. Your child is your child. And he or she was born with a bent against God's law and you were given not to be their buddy, but to be their parent and to train them to obey. Even if they don't see any of the wisdom in obeying you, that's your role, to work with them again and again to show them the wisdom of that and to expect them to obey even if they don't see the wisdom. Please set your expectations wisely. Friendship with your children will come later. It will come after you train them, not during. When you repeat your commandment or raise your voice, or chase your disobedient child around the house, or yell out empty threats, you are agreeing with your child's sin nature that there is no consequence for disobeying a mother's voice. There has to be clear, consistent, and logical consequences to a child disregarding the voice of the mother. Young moms, don't train your children to dishonor you. And young dads, don't let your wife fall into that trap and into that pattern. Make sure that the children revere the voice of their mother. I know as we are coming to the close of this message that some of you uh, have had not the best mothers in life and you're hearing about honoring a mother and you're thinking, but how can I respect a woman who has acted and behaved for decades in such a, such a dishonorable way, such a way in which I don't know how I could possibly respect her actions. Well, you don't have to respect everything she says. You don't have to respect her philosophy of life if it's a worldly philosophy. You don't have to respect the disobedient things that she did. That's not where the command is aimed. You know, maybe she even did something far worse than just set a bad example. Maybe she, maybe she even covered for your father when your father abused you. And you're looking back and you're thinking, there is, there is no way, no way that I am going to honor my parents for what they did to me. Clearly that was hard for you and I don't stand in your shoes. And your feelings now are bent very strongly against saying anything that would be respectful. Maybe you have in your heart said, I have forgiven my mother in my heart, but I will never, never let her back into my life. Well, the the old adage I think is still true that forgiveness is given, but trust is earned. That's true. She may be a country mile away from earning your trust, but you still have a command that God has given you, and you still can find a way that you can treat her with reverence and respect. In these cases, please remember, honoring someone is not a feeling that you have in your heart. It's an action that you can take. 
You could take actions that demonstrate that in your heart you're going to do the righteous thing even if she did the unrighteous thing. You are going to realize your mother's God-given position in your life and you're going to trust your heavenly father with his choice in your life and what he will accomplish good through even the evil that touched your life. Even if a mother has not earned that honor in your eyes, she is still your mother and she is still the one God has commanded you to find a way to honor. I am sometimes asked, but what about the grandchildren? In other words, my children. How do I shield my children from my parents who are unbelieving and act in foolish ways and will say things into the ears of my children I don't want them to hear? How can I still honor my parents there? And then my answer is, it it can be done. It's like walking a tightrope in some ways. There are ways in which you can allow your parents access to your children and allow them to enjoy their grandchildren and honor them that way. There are also rules that you can make as the guardian of your children, as those that are the teachers of your own children. And you can find, maybe, maybe sometimes you will try one, one way and it'll be an error, but you can find a way to do that. You can find an avenue in which to make that happen. You can learn to shield your children in some ways and allow them the interaction with their grandparents in other ways. It will take prayer. It will take wisdom. But it is something that can be done, and you can learn from others who faced similar trials. Last thing I want to come to here is the promise that goes with the fifth commandment. At the very end, you notice it is a commandment that comes with a promise that it may be well with you and you may live long in the land that the Lord is giving you. For those that were living under the old covenant, that was to be taken literally. It was long life and prosperous life in the land of promise, in the land of Canaan, that was being promised to the Israelites who were in covenant with their God. But some have suggested that there are applications in the new covenant for this as well. Even though we're not under the old covenant itself and we have a superior covenant, nor are we in the promised land, but we are promised more than the promised land. Life is always, we can say, more pleasant in the home, in the house, when parents are honored. You know, we used to say, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody at home that's going to be happy. And it's just true. If you honor your mother and she senses that she's honored, that's, there's going to be a wellness to life in that home. It's going to come back and boomerang back to you as a blessing. And I would also add that there are many commands parents will give to you that can literally save your life or literally keep you from a sickness that would cut short your life. People in societies who honor the aged, and in our society is becoming less and less that way, but people who live in societies who actually honor the aged, those people that grow up in those societies don't have as much to fear when they get older. When they get older, they realize, well, this is a society that honors those that are gray-headed, that are older. And so when you have a culture that continues to honor this command and honors the aged, doesn't worship dead parents, doesn't worship or burn incense or say prayers to dead parents, I'm not talking about that, but just honor the aged, those who have gone before them, the gray-headed, then we realize that that's a society where those that grow older, including all of us at some point in time, are going to be blessed as well in that society. And so it comes back to bless all of us. It is a good command. It is a righteous command. It is a command that brings blessing to families and brings blessing to society. 
And I pray that God at least uses this message to increase our wisdom and how we can apply God's holy law and know how indeed to, quote, honor thy mother. Father, we would pray that you take these truths and and drive them deep inside of us. Help us to understand the spirit of wanting to honor our mothers and to find patterns and habits we need to change, actions we need to take to demonstrate that honor, that uh, reverence that we have for that one woman you gave us who gave us life. And we praise you for this design, Father, and for your holy command. In Jesus' name, we do offer this preaching and this prayer. Amen.